We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And this is your 2022 wildcard preview. The New England Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. The time, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place, Ralph Wilson Stadium. The weather, clear. With a mild breeze, single-digit temperatures, and a wind chill that will have it feeling closer to in the negatives. Chris, what's the line on this game as of today? I saw Bills minus three and a half. Bills minus three and a half. The crew calling the game belongs to Brad Allen. Hey, are you shocked? No Land Clark or Carl Sheffers. I remember, like remember? But I was kind of hoping they'd both be rolled up in a bus fire by now, but I'll take them just not being in the playoff field. I like it. I'll hand you this. Your and strawberry. You do, who's on the call? Your strawberry daiquiri. You have to do that right now for the Falcons coverage bet <sighs> that we never that we never did from last week. Well, what we'll I'm that. Th- I'm three and zero in coverage bets for the season, and Tell this game is going to be on NBC eight fifteen Saturday night. I believe it's going to be Mike Tirico and Drew Brees on the call because. Collinsworth and Al Michaels are going to be doing the Sunday night NBC game. Or really? The, or a Sunday afternoon NBC game. So I think we get the NBC B team. NBC B team. Yeah. Not bad, though. I like Mike Tirico. In fact, I, I like Mike Tirico more than I like Mike Collinsworth. You mean Chris Collinsworth? Chris Collinsworth, Mike Collinsworth, doesn't matter. He's a Collinsworth. I'd like to, I'd like to tie cement bags to his feet and take him for a boat ride. That's the Collinsworth. <sighs> Chris, 
it's here, and it's the matchup that I think you you said it. This is the matchup you wanted. Yeah. I want First of all, you're a sick man for wanting this. No, give me the Patriots. Give me what's ruined us for 20 years. Give me them in the playoffs. I want to knock them out. And not only knock them out, I want to knock them out at home. And not only do I want to knock them out at home, I also want to be there to watch them get knocked out it's, in the playoffs. This is going to be, guys, I we're, we're, if we're going to get into this, I think one of the things I'm most excited about this football game is that for the first time this season... Every single member of my the original cast, the <laughs> the season ticket holding original cast, you, myself, Dan Potter, we're all going to be there to see this thing. Potter's coming, and you have. No- <laughs> I love how you say that with a question mark. He's going to hear this and put you in a headlock at the tailgate. Oh well. So we got. We'll have things to hash out. <laughs> so. What I love about this is that we've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this thing that is called season ticket holding. And I'm just happy. I mean, it's going to make me sound, you're all going to make fun of me, but it really does make me feel like this was meant to be. This was supposed to be the game. It was supposed to be at this time on this night because that's the game that allows me to have this group of people with me. The ones that I decided voluntarily, I want to spend some really great and some really terrible Sundays with every year for a decade. (laughs) They're all going to be there. And to me that I'm trying not to get emotional about this, but it's a guys strap yourselves in. This is going to be one of those podcasts. Please Um, don't cry. I've not seen you cry (sighs) since the Marcel Darius thing couple years ago no i still think my favorite was when i cried when we cl- when, when we clinched the uh when we broke the drought and i cried and i hugged you and you looked at my wife and you were like make him stop this is uncomfortable <laughs> yeah because emotions scare you chris yes now ah, see you gotta let it feel you you gotta you gotta dig into that <sighs> i'm just i i feel i feel a lot of things and i'm already an emotional guy Doing this podcast over all these years, I've charted a lot of data, I've crunched a lot of numbers, and on Sunday, just before midnight, when it got announced that Buffalo would be playing the primetime playoff game on Saturday, I started rolling through a few more thoughts in my head, just about what this meant. Like, we're going to get this game, and it's going to be on primetime, and it's at home. (sighs) I've spent 3,411 days, 487 weeks, 211 football Sundays as a Buffalo Bills season ticket holder. And throughout that entire process, it's been for this game, for this moment right here. A full capacity home playoff game in the same seats that I've watched every home game in for the last decade. Surrounded by the same guys who have suffered and celebrated alongside me. And it hasn't been easy. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I think we've suffered as much as we've celebrated. I mean, Chris, there's been good, there's been good things that have happened to me while being at the stadium. I mean, Mario Williams, the strip sack of Aaron Rodgers, right in front of us in that our end zone to seal that December win over Green Bay that in 2020, 2015 kept us in the playoff hunt. The interception of Andy Dalton in 2019 
on our end of the field, right in front of us, Trey White. The, the, the Bengals are marching. It feels inevitable that they're going to score. It's like, oh, God, we're going to lose our home opener. No. Trey White said no. <laughs> He's just like, no, we're not doing this today. The roar of the stadium when Aaron Williams ran back a fumble 53 yards to put the Bills up 29-7 over the Cardinals. Watching the Josh Allen-led Bills rally after a dirty play and some guys threw some punches over to just absolutely bury the Jaguars in the final eight minutes of the fourth quarter with one of the best goal line stands I think our franchise will ever see. I remember hugging our usher like an uncle that I haven't seen in forever when LaShawn McCoy finally broke into the open field in overtime against the Colts to decide the snow game back in 2017 and keep our playoff hopes alive. There's a million of these things. But it hasn't all been roses. I I remember leaving early on Christmas Eve knowing that the Miami Dolphins were going to beat us despite having, not having the starting quarterback in the lineup, and then being proven painfully correct. Watching Jeff Toole throw a 99-yard pick six against the Chiefs in a game that we should have won. We were on the goal line. Like, what do we do with that? Oh. Chris, what about all the angry, soul-crushing walks across the parking lot after every inexplicable home loss to the Patriots? Eight of them. Eight of them in my lifetime. How about the time they knocked Josh Allen unconscious and won by a field goal because we couldn't score from inside the 10? You were there for that. Yeah. Okay. The one where we led 21 to 7 in the third quarter, only to lose 52 to 28 because they ran 200 yards in the second half. The time that they held us to three points and then Grant gave Trey White the macho man Randy Savage elbow to the back of the head. Watching them lose the lead and ultimately the game by two points late in the game because E.J. Manuel only generated a single first down in the fourth quarter. I, <laughs> these games against the Patriots have put a whole lot of taxation on my liver. A whole lot of Sunday nights spent laying on the floor, just at my apartment or house with a beer, just on the ground in a haze of what I can only call nihilism, just contemplating whether life has any actual meaning or whether we're all just put here to suffer and eventually die, leaving behind no permanent trace that we ever actually existed. So while I sit here, elated by the fact that we won the division, that we have a home playoff game, max capacity crowd, that we have all these things going for us, I'd be a damn liar if I told you that my mind doesn't wander back to all those experiences and just how much they hurt. And yet it's interesting because this is, because of how much different this all feels, or at least should feel, from the typical Patriots coming to Buffalo game, Chris. The Patriots have been the NFL's gold standard in the month of December over the last 20 years. Going 63 and 16 in the final month of the calendar year with Belichick and Brady at the helm. So it's jarring to see that they're three and six this year and last year in the month of December. And what, one and two in the division to end the season this year, and one and three over their last four games. They have a rookie quarterback who has just three pass attempts in Buffalo, and against our defense, I, I mean, he's averaging a single first down, uh, single digit first down passes per game. Eight per game is what he averages. Does that sound impressive to you? Sounds impressive. 
Over the last five weeks, he has eight first down passes per game. That's it. Yeah. It puts him in the bottom of the NFL. It's impressive. Their defense, after beating the Bills on Monday Night Football, being touted as the league's best in DVOA and a bunch of other fancy bullshit metrics that I don't have time for, it was intended to be the backbone of New England's presence this year. It was part of their winning formula. It hasn't held an opponent under with a winning record under 27 points since the bye week back in week 15. There's so much statistically and philosophically about this matchup that as Bills fans, we should be relishing. So why do I still feel sick? Why do I still have this pit in the bottom of my stomach? Do you think Brady's going to show up and play for the Patriots? I don't know. I don't know what I'm waiting for. There's just something, and I don't think I'm alone. I think mo- I think everybody who listens to us, for sure, and at least two-thirds of Bill's Mafia feels the same way. Hopefully tonight's guests can shed some light on these dynamics and leave us a little bit better prepared emotionally heading into Sunday's action. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mike De- Wait, Mike. Chris, De- what is it? Debate, 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 debate. From Lockdown Patriots and the Sports Illustrated contributor, PatriotsMaven.com. Mike, the listeners have asked. They want this debate settled. No, no pun intended. Is it debate or debate? And what do you want us to call you going forward? Well, we've had this conversation before, gentlemen. Look, bottom line when it comes to the pronunciation of my name, really either way works. And that sounds like a cop-out, but it really isn't. The Italian pronunciation of my name is Diabate. That's how it's pronounced in the old country. That's how my family over there would pronounce it. So technically, that's correct. Here in the States, it was Americanized years ago by my family that lived here. Really, either way is is, is acceptable. Um, so, you know, debate is the professional pronunciation. That's how most people say it. So if I'm leaning one way or another, I would say go with that. But debate is definitely not wrong. So you really can't go wrong either way. Well, then, Chris, should we change? No. No, then I'm not going to change. I'm going to start saying it. One of my favorite things in the run-up to this conversation was that today you were you were using the Cobra Kai gifts. Now, you're a fan of the show? <laughs> I am. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, growing up as an 80s kid and growing up and watching the Karate Kid and seeing all that, you know, I I was skeptical. Absolutely. When they brought back Cobra Kai and, you know, I mean, there's parts of it that are hokey. There's parts of it that are, you know, a little on the cheesy side. But 
you know, it, it's great for nostalgia purposes, and uh, it's a fun watch. You know, I mean, it's not going to win, you know, uh, you know, acting awards anytime soon, but I, I really, you, you got to love it. And the fact that they brought back Terry Silver this season, well, you got to love it. One of my favorite characters of all time in movies. And that's what I was going to say is you'd kind of dated yourself because in this conversation, you see yourself as the uh, T- Terry Silver to our Johnny Lawrence. Well, you know, he was lying in the weeds for a lot of years. You know, a lot of people were looking at it and saying, okay, well, you know, he's going to, is he going to be maniacal? Is he not going to be maniacal? What's going on? And, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, like you you see elements of it. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen season four, but, you know, go out there, take a look at it. But uh, bottom line, uh, yeah, I thought it would be fun, you know? So in the spirit of that, let's go. Okay, well, let's go. So first of all, I want to start with full, just a philosophical angle of this game. I mean, it's it's obviously not Macbeth. It's not a Midsummer Night's Dream, but there's a Shakespearean feel to this concept that it's us against you. <laughs> that the first max capacity home playoff game that we get in the last well, since I could legally buy beer, it's you guys, the team that always shows up to rain in our parade. I just, ah, oh, it had to be that way, though, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it kind of is like a Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai type showdown, though. I mean, you got you to gotta think about it. I mean, if there was going to be a home playoff game in Buffalo or Orchard Park in western New York, and for these two franchises to be able to go one-on-one with each other in the playoffs in a meaningful game like this, that had happened since 1963, this is something that I think a lot of fans are really, really looking forward to. I know Bills Mafia is really looking forward to it. Pats fans here in New England are looking forward to it as well. It's going to be a good one in, uh, in in Orchard Park this weekend. I, for one, can't wait to cover this one. What does a game like this mean to each team's legacy, in your mind? Uh, I mean, in terms of legacy, I think both of these teams already had their legacy pretty much carved out. I think in terms of pride, Buffalo's got a lot on the line. Look, it's a home game. They're the favored team. They're the division champ. Everyone's expecting them coming in to be a challenger to the Kansas City Chiefs, try to knock them off their pedestal uh, when it comes to the AFC championship. So in a lot of ways, the Bills have an awful lot on the line. If the Patriots don't win this game, it's not going to take any banners down from the facade at Gillette Stadium. Bill Belichick is still going to be revered as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mac Jones probably going to get a pass in a lot of uh, Boston media for being a rookie and taking the Patriots maybe further than a lot of people thought he would after Cam Newton left town. So there's I think maybe a little bit more pressure on the Bills to perform up to their expectation, but either team losing at this point doesn't mean that they're going away anytime soon. It's not going to bury a franchise either way. The Buffalo Bills have enough talent and great coaching talent to be a formidable force in that division for years to come. I still say they're the class of the division, New England Patriots looking up at them at this point, but at the same time, you know, you, you definitely want to come away with the win. So in terms of long-term legacy i don't think there's any much uh i don't think a whole lot is going to be put into that but i think when you look at short-term legacy yeah the bills probably uh dare i say maybe a little more motivated in this one okay that's fair no i i can appreciate that so i guess when i take a step back from that though and i hear what you're saying about the pressure being on buffalo and now, when I ask these questions, I, I don't want you to sugarcoat it for our listeners because they're our listeners. If they, if they don't have thick skin, they wouldn't be listening to our show. 
Right. The Patriots players, coaches, and fan base have kind of walked around for the last two decades with a swagger. Just this palpable mm-hmm. sense of we show up and we win 90% of the time. If if we don't, it doesn't matter because we'll get you later or we'll get you next time. Because our And you guys have built a persona as a fan base off of that. But as we broke down for our listeners at the top of the show, this December has been uncharacteristically humbling for the Patriots. I mean, this... Okay, so your notes over at PatriotMaven.com, just mm-hmm. reading your notes about that Bill Belichick press conference, doing some of the same things, responding in some of the same ways that he apologized for just a few weeks ago, just... The shortness, the refusal to answer direct questions, the refusal to be, there's no contrition in that man, but you can tell he's upset. And it's just interesting to me that, like, that's a thing that we're not used to seeing from the outside. We're not used to watching a Bill Belichick press conference like that. What's it like being a part of that? Uh, frustrating at times. There's no question about it because you're looking for something to actually bite on. I mean, from a media perspective, yeah, there are times where you wind Bill up and he'll talk about the history of the long snapper for 20 minutes. And, you know, I've talked about this before right here on these airwaves. There are certain topics that he will absolutely go above and beyond to explain and to really get into it uh, when he's frustrated. And there's no question about it after Miami's, uh, uh, you know, debacle on Sunday. This was something that really, I think, got to Bill Belichick. You know, as a veteran, as a coach, for as long as he's been in the league, you don't want to go into the playoffs on that kind of a sour note. Uh, The New England Patriots just really didn't do enough on any aspect on all three phases to be able to win. And that's very unusual to say that about Patriots special teams. But that's been a problem this year. You can sense frustration a little bit, but you can also sense that Bill Belichick knows what this team is truly capable of. In terms of talent, now in terms of actual will, putting it into practice on the field, that's something that's still yet to be seen. We've seen the New England Patriots put it together in all three phases and have great success this season. We've also seen games like Miami where they get off to a slow start, shoot themselves in the foot, and they don't have the ability to be able to battle back. The good thing about a team like Miami is they had an opportunity to kind of get back into this game. If they do this against Buffalo on Saturday, it's going to be a very, very quick night for the New England Patriots, and you might as well bury this one with a shovel and then bury the shovel because they can't afford to do that against Buffalo. But with Bill, yeah, there's going to be some frustration, and you know there's going to be a lot of focus in that locker room on correcting some of the things that we saw that went wrong for the Patriots on Sunday. So there's everybody here in our fan base who's worried that these losses, you know, ever this thing that we've built into into a monster unto itself. This idea that you're playing the Patriots off a loss. Oh my god, this is the scariest place on earth to be. <laughs> and yet here in 2021 that hasn't been the case. And everyone goes, "Oh, well, they're going to take you to the woodshed now because they lost." Well, when you look at the last month of football, you beat the Bills, you went into your bye week, then you came out and you lost to the Colts. And everyone said, okay, they had a great week of practice this week. It's high energy. Everybody's ready to go. And then the Bills beat you. And then you beat Jacksonville. And everyone said, okay, see, that's the get-right game. Now we're back to normal. And then you lose this game in Miami. Another team. The common thread here is teams with a winning record. Teams that are actually capable seem to, at least here in the recent, uh, we'll call it five weeks, 
have given you guys a very hard time. I don't know. I, <laughs> you guys lost the game. You guys lost the division before Bill's uh, Jets even finished. Mm-hmm. This is all very uncharacteristic of a Bilicek run team. What are your thoughts on this idea that all of a sudden they're going to have this sudden resurgence and become this this powerhouse that... Because that's the fear. Because it's what 20 years of abuse has done to us. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I think reputation is really, I think, overtaking exactly what could possibly happen on the field. Look, we've seen the New England Patriots do this before. They've taken shots. They've been written off. Dozens of times, uh, you know, we all remember. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the I've been the first one to say it. And, I always want yep. to be the first one yeah, to declare exactly. you guys dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we remember the debacle in Kansas City and the New England Patriots just aren't good anymore. And then just a couple of months later, they were hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. It is characteristic of the New England Patriots to do that. But this is a different team. And every team every year is different. As much as I love what Mac Jones has done for this team and as much as I love the potential in this kid, and I like the present in him as well, I think he's going to compete and give Buffalo all they can handle on Saturday night. But that being said, he's not in Tom Brady's shoes yet. He may never be in those shoes, and I don't think he ever will be. I don't think anyone will ever equal what Brady did here for two seasons, two decades, excuse me, season after season, just really being able to strap this team on his shoulders and will them to win the complimentary pieces that they had around New England's teams that won. The ones that counted were the ones that were special. They had those intangibles. This Patriots team has the ability to be able to compete. I'm not quite sure that they have the ability to be able to take it to opponents the way previous teams have. So this is going to be interesting for me. It's going to be a learning experience. I've watched this team all year long. They've been very difficult to read, um, even for someone that you know covers them on a daily basis. It's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde type situation. When the New England Patriots show up in all three phases, they can compete and they can play with pretty much anybody in the league but when they start regressing into behavior that really puts them in a negative position from the get-go that's when you're looking at difficulties this team has a losing record when they don't put points on the board or teams put points on the board before them and obviously they have a winning record when it's the opposite so this has been a team that is very much based on ebb and flow and right now they they have to find that rhythm Uh, and it's you know, time's running thin on being able to do that. That's interesting. Scoring first is going to become a priority for the Buffalo Bills in this game. That's interesting. I'm going to keep. To, I'm going to have mm-hmm. that in my head when I'm out there like a popsicle, negative two degree weather, cheering on my football team. So, before I can actually ask, ask any questions about X's nose, health of the roster becomes a major talking point because the Buffalo Bills are the healthiest. I mean, sounds Trey White. You can't fix that. We're coming into this game, entering the postseason without our best defensive back. But the Patriots took a couple injuries in the last game that seemed sizable. Have you gotten any clarity over the course of the last uh, 48 hours on that situation? And if so, what's what's the long-term prognosis? I mean, I know Barmore's MRI. There was some talk about that. Tell me more about that. Uh, right now, the indication is that the MRI came back clean, uh, which means no long-term damage for Christian Barmore, which is excellent news for the kid. Uh, 22 years old. Uh, you knew that he I was really uh, dejected and down. 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, I love the kid in Alabama. It sucks that you yeah. guys get all the good Alabama players and that we <laughs> get all the ones that wash out of the NFL. Yeah, you think Belichick was watching that game last night with a with a clipboard? You know he was. You know the Bama scouts were out. You know he's got a lot of uh, you know a lot of backing to that anyway. But bottom line, what it ended up coming down to with Christian Barmore is he's looking like he's going to be healthy. He's going to be okay um, in terms of his availability for Saturday. Uh, I think it's up in the air right now. I mean, they had the projected um, injury report on uh, Tuesday afternoon. It was projected that Christian Barmore would have been a limited participant, which really, I mean, when you looked at how things went on Sunday evening and the fact that he was really having difficulty putting any weight at all on that leg, uh, it really is remarkable that he would be at that point. So Telltale is going to be hitting the practice field. They hit the Patriots at the practice field on Wednesday, just like the Buffalo Bills will. All eyes are going to be on Christian Barmore. Is he going to be out there? Is he going to be warming up with the team? Obviously, most of the practice is going to be closed to the media, so we won't see exactly how he looks. But if he's listed as a limited participant out there on the field, then you have to start to wonder whether or not the Patriots are going to be able to suit him up. But even so, I think this one's going to come right down to game time as far as the decision, uh, unless the Patriots see something in him one way or another that really tips their hand. What about Isaiah Wynn? And left tackle, like that's a, that's a problem. Yeah, Win right now has been they've been very tight lipped on Isaiah Win. Bill Belichick was asked the question, uh, obviously in true Belichickian form, kind of answered the question. No, we don't know. So that really doesn't give us much of an indication. Win right now, I think, is probably another one that's going to be day to day for the New England Patriots. This is a potential big loss. I, mean, I know a lot of Patriots fans love to roll their eyes when you mention Isaiah Wynn, but look, bottom line, Wynn is a, is a player that does provide a solid amount of protection for Mac Jones on the left side at the tackle position. If they lose him, now you're looking at Justin Heron, uh, you know, coming in. Justin's been a good reserve swing guy on occasion, but when he had to play meaningful minutes, the Patriots offensive line struggled mightily. You don't want that to happen. You can't afford that to happen when you're going into a playoff game. So to me, as much as the Barmore injury has gotten the headlines here in New England, keep a very sharp eye on Isaiah Wynn. He's fighting the hip injury, fighting an ankle injury. These are two things that could limit his production on Sunday. And if I'm, excuse me, it's Saturday. And if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I'm looking to attack that side on Saturday night. So it kind of speaks to what you put out there. So I'll be honest with you. Snap count analysis pieces are not something that I, I generally dip my toe into. <laughs> They're usually out there for the most hardcore football junkies. You know that. And yet you write them over at PatriotMaven.com. And I read your last one, and I had an interesting takeaway from that. I, I, mostly because I'm petty. I follow what you guys do, and I go, oh, is there anything in here that I can use? So it opened up a whole new line of questioning. Recent snap analysis and loss to Miami. You made an interesting comment about how only one player on the offensive line played 100% of the snaps. What is the state of your offensive front? entering this contest against a Bills defensive line that really seems to be coming into its own. 
Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think you look at the line and you look at what the Patriots are doing, and a lot of that is rotational rather than either guys being benched or guys oh, being sure. uh, you know either punitive or anything like that. So or that even uh, when it comes to uh, to any type of long term injury, when you look at what the Patriots are doing right now, they're trying to sub some of these guys in, get the meaningful reps heading into the postseason. Now that being said. Shaq Mason is the guy that played all 62 snaps. Trent Brown played almost every snap at 61. Brown, since coming back from the injury, has been solid. He's been excellent. He's helped to seal that outside, prevent some of the outside blitzes from getting to Mac Jones. I know Buffalo loves to dial those up. I expect that to continue on Saturday night. I think they're going to try to confuse Mac, get to him and pressure him. And Mac has had some difficulty reading them. So that may be a good way for them to attack this Patriots team. When you also look at what the Patriots are doing in terms of getting some of the reserve guys, uh, you know, reps, Ted Karras took a couple of snaps in center. Uh, Michael Wainu has been lining up in that jumbo package, giving them the extra uh, lineman or sometimes been lining up as an eligible tight end. These are all things that the New England Patriots love to do in terms of trying to keep the offensive line fluid. So I wouldn't read too much into it in terms of, they're changing their philosophy or they're trying to go away from things or try something different. What I think they're doing is I think they're using a lot of rotation to ensure that this Patriots offensive line is as healthy as they can be. A lot of that is going to be predicated on how Isaiah Wynn bounces back. So again, like Barmore, sharp eyes are going to be on the practice field to see what Wynn looks like. But that to me is what the Patriots are doing with the O-line. You mentioned the Bills offensive line. That offensive line has really really come together you're seeing Devin Singletary run with a purpose now because he's getting great blocking up front and in the situations where you have an offensive line peaking you can afford to take some chances with that offensive line and you got a quarterback that's as good as Josh Allen at being able to mask some of the deficiencies get rid of the ball very quickly extend plays with his legs this kid is someone who can really really take the ball out of the hands of the offensive line dare I say make them look better than the way they've played and I'm, that's not a knock to them I think they played great but when you have a quarterback that's capable of doing that it makes all the difference in the world two different styles but I saw it up here for two decades gentlemen with Tom Brady masking a lot of issues on that offensive line because of his ability to make pre-snap reads and his ability to get rid of the ball quickly Allen does it in a different way but it's still effective and it still makes the line look great so the tweet that I copied you in earlier today I can't wait to drop that on the listeners because I think it's something you need to hear about how Josh Allen has actually made, he's masked a lot of problems that exist on the front line. <laughs> Mac Jones is kind of in a similar situation, and there's something about him running this offense that I have to question you on. Because I picked up on this trend ahead of our first matchup on Monday Night Football. The fact that outside of scripted drives to start halves and turnovers that happen inside your opponent's 30, there weren't a lot of touchdowns being scored. Since then, I charted it, and this is what the opening, like, what is it, the first three possessions, 12 of them, of each of those games over the last month, that's Buffalo twice, that's Indy, that's Miami. Here's where I see, like, this is what the count is when you look at how these drives have gone. Three touchdowns, usually on the first possession, two interceptions, one for a pick six against Miami, Seven punts, and one of them got blocked for a touchdown against Indy. Now, knowing that you guys have a pretty reliable kicker, Nick Folk has had himself a good season. That doesn't seem like enough point production early on 
for a team that's built to run the ball and play defense and just kind of wear a team down. Has this dynamic gotten worse? And what do you think about this coming into this matchup? Do you think this is a problem that might rear its head? Well, I think in a lot of ways what teams are kind of honing in on or maybe catching on to is the Patriots' penchant to run the ball early and often, use it to open up play action, and try to facilitate Mac into that intermediate passing game. The secret is out on Mac Jones. That's what he does best. That's where he's most effective. And if you want to try to shut the Patriots down, that's what you do. Brian Flores, who I still can't believe is out of a job in Miami, that's a conversation maybe for another day, but He broke that typical man coverage tendency that he has, especially on third down, played zone coverage, flooded the short path of the field with those coverage defenders. And that's the way to try to take the ball out of Mac's hands and take the control, I should say, out of his hands. Not the ball, really, but although they did on the uh, the Xavier Howard pick. But at the same time, you look at what Miami did in that situation, that forced Josh McDaniel game in order to find some success and if you look at mac jones's uh, accomplishments on on uh, sunday when it comes to throwing the ball downfield completed five of eight of his passes beyond 20 yards in the air that may not seem like a big deal in buffalo right now because you see josh allen be able to do that on a regular basis but for mac jones that's a big step for a rookie that's a big step and especially a quarterback like mac who's had his arm strength questioned that's something that really showed the new england patriots their fans their coaching staff that he can win downfield if necessary now when you threaten the deeper areas you need consistency to do that that is where I think the Patriots are going to focus some of their um, attention, I should say, this week when it comes to this week in practice. If they want to be successful against this Bills team, they're going to have to go on the aggressive. They're going to have to attack. Quote Cobra Kai again, guys. They're going to have to strike first. They're going to have to strike hard. They're going to have to go after that part of the field because if they keep trying to play the dink and dunk game, Buffalo proved the last time that they can shut them down in trying to do it. Even when the Patriots can run the ball effectively, they're going to be able to shut down the middle of the field, and they did an effective job of that the last time. Patriots got to take some chances in this one, as much as they may not want to, as much as Bill Belichick doesn't like doing that with a rookie quarterback. Mac has proven that he can win some of these matchups. Time to see what the kid can do. See, and that's and Chris alluded to this earlier. He goes, they've had handcuffs on this kid most of the season. They need to take them off if they want to win. Because the last month it hasn't gone well. Sometimes you just gotta let the kid play quarterback. You can't manage him so tightly. It'll be interesting to see how the Bills defense reacts to a more aggressive Mac Jones in this game. On the defense, new plan of attack this time around. It has to be different because last time did not go well. The man heavy coverage schemes just left I mean, Miles Bryant, he's not a bad cornerback, but he's not good against quick-twitch athletes like Isaiah McKenzie. And I feel like they identified that on tape and just abused you guys with it. So now they're going to come into this. You've got a Diggs, you've got a a Beasley, a Sanders, and you've got a McKenzie. I don't know. I Do you see them? Because I feel like they pretty much made their bones off of being man on the outside, safeties on the inside playing zone, a lot of safety coverage. In this game coming up, how much of that do you think is going to change? Do you see them going 
away from man and trying to play more zone just to try to confuse Josh? Do you see them sending more pressure? Let's talk a little bit about how you see them attacking Josh Allen. Uh, well, I mean, it's pick your poison. You know, I mean, when it comes to a guy like Josh Allen, who's so good at being able to beat you in so many ways, if the Patriots do decide to move away from man and show more zone, which, by the way, I absolutely believe they should, using man coverage heavy the last yes. time was a recipe for disaster for New England. Well. And, and, Josh, and Josh ate them alive in terms of doing that. But when you look at what they did also, dropping into coverage, very rarely sending pressure at, at Josh Allen, they basically were daring him and forcing him to take those underneath throws and forcing him to stay patient. That's usually the blueprint to try to beat Josh Allen, but Josh did exactly what he needed to do. He did that. It's going to be interesting to see how the Patriots secondary adjust this time around. J.C. Jackson has to be better in coverage on Stefan Diggs. I think in a lot of ways uh, that really is a, been a kryptonite for him this season when it comes to defending someone like Stefan. And it goes back to last year, too. Uh, it's a mismatch for him, and he needs to be better in coverage. But the secondary also can't allow complementary pieces like Isaiah McKenzie, who had a monster game last time around. I even wrote about him in the week leading up to the, uh, the second matchup between these two teams, saying that McKenzie could end up being a big-time factor in this game because of his ability to be able to get open and the way that he's able to utilize his skills in the open field just was a mismatch for the New England Patriots. So it is. It's a pick-your-poison when it comes to that, but I think the Patriots need to mix their coverages a little bit more. I'm not saying completely abandon man coverage, but they need to mix in more zone because if they go too man-heavy, you're going to see the same result that you saw the last time. That's going to be a little bit more smart and maybe a little bit more temperate in the way they choose to attack this time around. Who are your other interior DB options? Because Miles, Miles Bryant got cooked by Isaiah McKenzie. Now we have Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie, both active, both ready. And if they decide to go, let's say they go four wide, they spread you guys out in a four wide receiver set. I think it's uh, Chris, check me out, 12 personnel. I believe that's... No, no, 12 personnel with the tight ends. Beer, folks. Beer is a terrible thing. So when they spread you guys out four wide, Joan Williams, Miles Bryant, it didn't go well. What else do you guys have, or do you think that zone is the answer to solving that part of the Bills' offense? It's probably what the Patriots are going to do. Whether or not it's going to solve that part of the Bills' offense, I think, is anybody's guess. And I think it's also reasonable to assume that the Bills are going to be able to utilize that as a weakness in the Patriots' defense. The secondary right now is a big concern of mine heading into this game, gentlemen, and there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, like you mentioned before, Miles Bryant simply did not have a great game defending it you know in the uh, in that part of the field the bills had their way with them in the slot and that's something that the new england patriots have to be ready for they have to be ready to try to counter jalen mills their top outside option other than jc jackson on COVID reserve right now now we don't know what the circumstances are there he still may be able to come off the list and play on saturday but if he's going to be down in this game you can't afford to be missing defensive backs against a team like the Bills with so many different offensive options to be able to go to. We talked about Diggs. We talked about McKenzie. Haven't even mentioned on my end yet 
Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis. Oh, yeah. These guys can all make plays. Again, Devin Singletary is making a lot of plays as well at the running game. So the Patriots really have to be concerned if they're thin at the defensive back position at all. D'Angelo Ross, practice squatter, came in, played decent against the Miami Dolphins, but is he going to be the answer in that part of the field? Not enough of a sample size to be able to tell at this point. This could be a concern for the Pats if they're going to do anything to try to neutralize Buffalo, they have to utilize that three-man safety set. They need a healthy Kyle Duggar. They need a versatile and Swiss Army knife performance out of Adrian Phillips, who can line up, get into the linebacker position, play the star position at the, uh, safety, and be able to move all around the field. And they need solid field dictation coming from a veteran like Devin McCourty. If any one of those elements falters at all on Saturday, Patriots could be in for a very long night in Orchard Park. Two-part question to end the show. What would a win versus a loss mean to a Patriots fan base that, as I kind of alluded to earlier, is just starting to regain its swagger, is just starting to get its groove back? You guys are starting to get cocky in the middle of the season when you guys are winning the division, when everyone goes, okay, all of a sudden the division goes through Foxborough again. Ah, look, we're back. And then your fan base kind of started to cannibalize itself over the last few weeks. So, <laughs> what would a win versus a loss do for those people? Uh, well, the the fan base elements that you know sleep in the hoodie pajamas are not going to go away anytime soon. It's still going to be the era of good feelings. They're still going to go. Well, we've got the six rings. Everything's good. Everything's good, and that's that's kind of how it is. The more level headed, you know, members of the fan base are going to look at this and say. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at two seasons where you're looking up at the Buffalo Bills. There's no sign that this team's going away anytime soon. It's not like, oh, well, they're going to have their one last hurrah, and then they've got a lot of free agents, so they're going to break up the team or anything like that. Uh, they're switching you know, the coaches, whatever it happens to be. The Buffalo Bills are here to stay. They run well. They've got a great coach. They've got a great GM. They know how to build successful franchise. So they're going to continue to be here, even if some of the moving parts are a little bit different. And as long as you've got Josh Allen under center, you've got a puncher's chance to win any game. So at that point, all of a sudden now, you have to start to wonder, do we, saying we meaning the Patriots fan base, have the confidence in our team that we're going to be able to once again roam the top of the AFC East, knowing that the Buffalo Bills are not going anywhere. I think a little bit of reality sets in at that point, and you start to wonder whether or not the division truly does go through Foxborough or whether or not we're looking at a few years of the division going through Orchard Park, New York. So that's what I think the takeaway is from a lot of this. Again, I don't think it's going to cripple either fan base for the Patriots to lose or for the Bills to lose. If the Patriots do go up and pull the upset on Saturday night, it's not going to be a death knell for the Buffalo Bills. It's not like they're going to slink away and then just go into mediocrity for the next few years. Far from it. This team is too talented and they're too well put together to disappear maybe the way other Buffalo playoff teams had in the past when the Brady Belichick regime was still running things down in Foxborough. So, yeah, there's going to be an element of Patriots fans and Patriots media and just coverage of the New England Patriots all around that's going to take a little bit of a hit with a loss on Saturday. But at the same time, a loss in Buffalo is not going to be detrimental to either franchise. I think that it's just – it's going to be – 
<laughs> it's going to be a learning experience for both sides. Uh, if Buffalo wins, they're going to have the swagger going, and they're going to deserve it. If the Patriots win, they're going to have the swagger going, and you know, arguably they're going to deserve it too because you're facing a team that most people expect to win. I think if you put everybody's backs against the wall, you'll say Buffalo is the favorite. They should take this game. But at the same time, uh, this one's going to be one that I think is going to go down on the wire. Both teams are going to be ready to play on Saturday. Second part of the question, also, I love this, but also, if the Patriots lose, will you make us start calling you debate? How <laughs> about if the Patriots win, I start making you call me that, because I'll be bargaining from a position of strength. Let's, uh, let's yeah, make that the If the Patriots bet. lose, I mean, you can pretty much call me whatever the hell you want. This is your show, so, I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, what, what are you, you, you going to sensei crease me now? If yes, they win, exactly, I go. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, sir, and it all comes full circle. Mike, this is why I love podcasting with you. You're a consummate professional. You're one of the best at it. Why don't you tell people where they can find your work and where they can find you on social? Well, it's always an honor to join you guys, really. I do. And I want to thank Bill's Mafia for being very kind to me. I'm one of the very few Patriots media guys that has not gotten into a real knockdown, drag out, back and forth uh, with the fans. I respect the uh, the passion. I respect the uh, the, uh, the the uh, just the zeal that all of them have up there. And as long as we keep it civil and as long as we keep it good, then, then I'm all for it. So uh, you can find me on the Bird app, like my good friend Mark Scofield always says, at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. You can find all of my written work at Patriot Maven of Sports Illustrated, at Patriot Maven SI, and, of course, every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Locked on Patriots, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Mike Debate, you can find him on Twitter, M D B A T A. Mike Debate, just figure out how to spell it. M D A B A T A B A N F L. Better watch out; he's going to bring that fire and brimstone. It, it, it don't matter. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna beat him. <sighs> well, if we're gonna get there, it's gonna be because of our keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. First and foremost, you got to protect Josh Allen on the edges and also from himself. Okay. 1A and 1B on this point. If Christian Barmore can't play, this game looks very different than if he's in the game. That's it. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a fact. So it's a good chance that they lack a presence in the middle of the field to get that Ed Oliver kind of interior pass rush and in that way they all of a sudden become easier to handle at least on a on a a consistent basis they become more easy to handle than they would have been before it opens up more running lanes it protects josh allen in the a gap which do you remember all the years with tom brady everyone said pressure in his face yeah it's every quarterback it's literally every quarterback ever except for maybe our guy josh allen but if he does play the bills handled the edge rushers from new england I mean, think about Matthew Judon throwing temper tantrums on the field. It allowed Allen to make plays from outside the pocket, but then also gave him time to let wide receivers draw defenders away. He got out. He made plays with his legs. Then, when Christian Barmore was not on the field, he was able to make, okay, now I can stand in the pocket and deliver. Whether he's there or not, this team needs to figure out how to get that working, and a lot of it's going to be keeping, again, Matt Judon and those guys at bay. Now, as we talked about, they've, I mean, Dawkins and Spencer Brown are going to have to pick it up from where they've been recently. Brown needs a bounce back game from last week because he got handled. 
But at the same time, Judon's making it easy. But there's a there's a secondary point to this, and that's protecting Josh Allen from himself. And this is where I think he gets into trouble. Earlier today, I tweeted out. I was replying to Bruce exclusive, uh, Bruce Nolan and Aaron Quinn. Josh Allen is the third most blitzed quarterback in football. He's the first in quarterback hurries in the NFL today. The fifth in quarterback knockdowns, 32nd in pocket time allowed. He's also 27th in NFL sacks taken. Yeah, let your head explode over that one for a second. He's in the top five for almost every terrible metric you want to be in as a quarterback in terms of how your team protects you. And yet you're near the bottom of the league in the number of times you get sacked. Now, I tweeted out that it's not sustainable, but it underscores that Allen's athleticism has allowed the Bills to get away with some pretty poor offensive line play. I think if this was it, Chris, if he was Ben Roethlisberger today, Ben Roethlisberger, they wouldn't have made, you know what I mean? If you swapped Big Ben into the position where Josh Allen is right now, or gave me a, a Mac Jones, a more statuesque quarterback who isn't the athlete, it's disaster. And yet, Josh Allen's thrived. <sighs> He's been one of the most under-fire quarterbacks, and when we've lost games, it's because teams have been able to rattle him and force him into bad decisions. You remember the Jacksonville game? Seen it. Yeah, seen it. Didn't go well. Most of this is when teams go, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make Josh Allen rely on his athleticism, bait him into bad decisions. Because it's like we joke about. All of my terrible tendencies, I just look at it as, listen, I'm not a bad person. I just exist. Whatever you did to put yourself in my way, that's your fault. (laughs) And that's a terribly flawed way of looking at life. But it's how Josh Allen is, and I think it's how this team needs to treat him. He's a force of nature. He is what he is. He's going to try to get away with what he can. And if you don't insulate him from that or make him feel comfortable enough that he has more options than having to go rogue, play cowboy football, then he will. Because he wants to win more than he wants to walk tomorrow. Like we said that earlier this season. Yeah. So, in that way, Chris, you can see it where this team needs to do a good job of giving him options when pressure does mount so that he can get the ball out of his hands quickly. Because you know that that's, that was the downfall of the Patriots last game. They're going to come with a new plan. And when they do, we have to be ready for it. Part of this is making Josh Allen feel comfortable in just, hey, don't go, don't go rogue on me. Stay here. Stay calm. Maintain your composure. We also have to manufacture good matchups against man coverage. And I think a lot of that's playing diamond. I think, I think we play a lot of four wide receiver sets. A lot of them. Expose. Look at Isaiah McKenzie's day against, uh, oh, what is, uh, the Patriots, the last time we played Yeah, 100 yards against uh, Malcolm Bryant, Miles Bryant. Nine of his 11 catches. Roasted him because they said, listen, when they go man, I'm coming to you if I get pressured. And you can't drop the ball. McKenzie responded, but Bryant's not good. And neither are some of their other defensive backs. Once you get down the depth chart. This is a lot more like a college football game, Chris. We saw some of that last night. The Georgia, the uh, Alabama. If you can get another team down to their fourth and fifth options, like what happened to Alabama at cornerback, you can beat them up pretty well. 
Because those guys shouldn't be out there on the field taking the number of snaps that they are. That's why they're buried on the depth chart. The Bills have to find a way to dig those guys out and make the Patriots put them on the field. That's where you're going to win. The Miles Bryants and the Joan Williams of the world, that's where you're going to win this football game. Because they're going to call man-to-man situations. And in those moments, that's where you can capitalize. They also have to maintain their composure because the pressure is on them. Okay? I mean, I, I have this analogy. We've been left with a lot of scar tissue over the years. All of these losses, again, think about how easy it was for me to just rattle off terrible games against the Patriots that I remember like they were yesterday. I still feel them a little bit. And it sucks. It sucks carrying that baggage around. It's like an ex-girlfriend. Chris, I don't even think you care this much about your ex-wife as I care about the way the Patriots have abused me over the course of my lifetime. Equal. Equal? It's All equal. Right. I'll drink to that. So, essentially... Careful now. Ooh, we got out of pocket there for a second. Daddy set the beer down a little too aggressively. All right, well... This has become woven into parts of my fandom. This is it for me. I can't be changed. These tragedies that have occurred are a part of who I am now. And it it gives me this pit, this awful feeling, right? Just until this team gives me a reason to genuinely believe that they're that this is nothing more than ancient history and some lost liver function, I'm going to walk around believing that the Patriots are the big bad wolf. But do the players? Chris, do the players have any history of this? Reed Ferguson is one of the longest tenured players on this roster. Him and Jerry Hughes? They maybe know. Maybe they know what it's like to be embarrassed by the Patriots. Uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Them? They know. They've experienced it. Uh, who else? Josh has had a handful of go-rounds with him now. Most of these guys don't have this thing that we all carry around with us. What do they know about it? And then you look at the Patriots. I'd argue there's more pressure on them. Look at the way they ended. Chris, we have back-to-back division titles. They have back-to-back embarrassing Decembers. They have a free agency spending spree that's not producing. They, as a first ballot Hall of Fame head coach, who's now had to sit through three press conferences in the last calendar month, Facing questions about how and why he got outcoached. Who's the pressure on more here? It is the Patriots because Belichick finally gets to the playoffs without Brady. And now the narrative should be, well, Brady got to the playoffs with you and won the Super Bowl. You're in the playoffs now. You got to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, where is that? Yeah. You think he doesn't feel that? The pressure is not on us. It's on them. We're winners. And to quote Ricky Bobby, winners get to do what they want. I just wish I felt like a winner right now in this moment. I would if it was any other opponent but but the New England Patriots. But the fact that it's them, Chris, also brings me to my last key to victory. And that's us. You, and it's me, and it's everybody else who's listening to this podcast right now who's going to be out there at the stadium. What? Single to 
single degree temperatures have you scared? What? Mark said there's club seats for sale for $72. It's a pretty good price. That's a great price. Because we'll be, pe- we'll, people are scared. We'll be in the bleach. We'll be in the bleachers. What? From a little what? Below zero temperatures with the wind chill? I don't know about you. I'm coming to the game directly after work, and I'm actually going to be uh, dressed up as Randy from A Christmas Story. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to put my arms down. <laughs> Here's what I know. We have waited far too long for this moment right here. These two teams have never been good at the same time. There's a reason we've only played them once in NFL history. And that was back when guys when guys were still walking around in clogs and bell bottoms. This we've waited too long for this moment right here. To let some cold weather scare us out of the stadium or to have us selling our seats to away fans. I need to know that you guys are going to get your asses out there with us. I'll be out there at noon. You think I'm scared? Oh, it's going to be cold. Whatever happened to the whole mantra of when it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Oh, I know. I know exactly what happened to that. A few decades of bad football, right? Because the guys who believed that, who genuinely believed that when it was too tough for them, it's just right for us, were a bunch of bad motherfuckers, okay? Their defensive line would punch you in the mouth, and they wouldn't stop for four quarters. That team was a wrecking crew, and they, they, and that fan base, that fan base was rabid. They were just as tough as the players were. Chris, we need to find that as a fan base. Because this is the moment where they need us. They need us. On third downs, it needs to be so loud in that place that Mac Jones, for the, Chris, the biggest stage of his, of his young career, the lights are the brightest. They're, they're not going to get brighter than this kid. We need to give that kid hell. Why? Because if not, what has all this been for? You're going to make it here and then watch it from the confines of your home where it's safe and warm and you can have some hot cocoa and you can make nice conversation with your wife. Bullshit. Bullshit. I will see you out there because we are going to have to be a factor in this game. We will. I know I will. Chris, I know you will. Everybody has to be in. To quote the great Doc Holliday from Tombstone, it's not about... It's not about revenge. It's about a reckoning. That's what Saturday night is. It's a reckoning. It's history coming due. And we have to be there, loud and proud on hand, to make sure that when the dust settles, we come out on the right side of the ledger. I am. I have never been this excited about a football game in my entire life. I can't wait to see it. I hope to see you all out there. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger, and this has been your Wild Card Preview. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.